0: And Ryan, if you would just please introduce yourself and then how you got started into blockchain. It's
1: been a long road for me in blockchain actually. It's the era of 10 years now, believe it or not. I think when I was at university 2012, I just didn't want to get a real job like every student. I found internet money and I was fascinated by cryptocurrency and bitcoin but yeah it changed my whole perspective on, on just finance in general back then i was preaching that bitcoin is a future of digital money and the future of finance and people were looking at me in a very strange way and they still do now and that was 10 years ago so you can imagine what it was like but yeah with me and my, uh, my housemate charlie we were, we were getting really into mining and yeah we found it quite difficult to find the information we wanted and to be efficient Blockchain uh, Coin miners, so we decided to make a business out of it, believe it or not. So, as my first, very first business venture with my friend Charlie, who also still works with me today, we started a company called One Crypto. And essentially, we created forums, guides. We designed the first aluminium mining rig because, quite literally, back then we used to shove a load of computer parts in a plastic milk tray where you get all the milk bottles delivered we used to literally use those as the casing for these mining rigs because they needed so much air so yeah we designed mining rigs we tried to bring the first bitcoin atm to the uk yeah it was exciting we brought a ton of computer parts and we're selling computer parts to yeah make effective mining machines yeah i think yeah we must have been one of the first 0.1 of people in bitcoin i'd say i didn't really utilize that advantage i wish i did i think typical (laughs) story of lost wallets we used to actually spend one whole bitcoin on a papa john's pizza one large pizza we did that regularly we used to play poker for like hundreds of thousands of litecoins <laughs> which today is worth a lot of money so it's uh, we've got that typical story of probably could have been a billionaire but yeah didn't didn't uh, keep it long enough or look after them enough should i say but yeah no it's interesting story i think i since then really i've been championing bitcoin and blockchain and just cryptocurrency in general, to be honest. I think, uh, yeah, look how much we've changed our lives already. And I still think we're still early. I know it's going uh, more mainstream every cycle, but I still do think quite early. But yeah, I'd say that one of the, probably my biggest regrets actually was, uh, yeah, the first bear market came and I thought it was all over. I thought, oh, that's it, crypto's done for. This is literally the first crypto bear market. And I was like, that's it, done for, I can't, how am I going to eat, what am I going to do? Yeah, not fell out of love with it. I stopped, yeah, it was following that entrepreneurial journey through blockchain and I, I left university and got a real job and only actually came back to it a few years ago. So I think I did, uh, I was very early, but I didn't, I didn't take, I didn't make the most of that advantage. I don't think, but yeah, it's been a bit of fun journey anyway.
0: <laughs> and you, so it sounds like you went from hearing about blockchain to then starting a business pretty quick. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, for
1: sure. I think um, just because we fell in love with the idea of mining our own money. It was great, but it was very difficult back then. It was like, there was maybe one or two websites with really disjointed information from people experimenting, And we were trying to tweak our miners to be the most efficient products they could be. And I think it was very little commercially minded, just information out there for people who wanted to get into it. And yeah, I've always been quite entrepreneurial. An entrepreneur and we just saw, I just said, Charlie, if we're struggling and we're like so early, then everyone is going to be struggling. So, yeah, we were quite ahead of the curve. I think anyone at that t- period of time, it was experimentation, there was no blue book there was no sort of blueprints or books or guides to follow really. Yeah. So I think yeah, th- that idea sprouted from that that we wanted to share this knowledge that we've gained from trawling everything we could on the web on on the internet and obviously experimenting ourselves. Yeah, and turn that into easily digestible information just for other people to get involved and Yeah, and that spiral, we tried to, yeah, like, yeah, we did tons of stuff, as I mentioned, but we tried to make our own exchange, which sadly never got launched. But yeah, we just wanted to make this sort of, we, we won crypto, we wanted to be this one hub for anyone who wanted to be into cryptocurrency. And I think there was probably a few others around at the time, but I think we've got to be one of the first handful of companies trying to make a sort of centralized hub for this type of knowledge and then... Yeah, it was like every issue that we faced throughout the journey from not finding the hardware to not being able to have a, you know, a computer case where we could not rely on a plastic milk crate, for example. I think all of these little challenges that we faced along the way, yeah, we decided each one of those things was something worth sharing to the wider, yeah, to the wider world, you know, people who wanted to get involved in it, and I think... As we progressed through the ideas, it was like, wow. I went to the effort of designing an aluminium mining rig. I made all the sort of blueprints to make them. I, my uncle actually works in construction in metal. I got him to manufacture these aluminium mining rigs and we were going to start selling them. So yeah, it was just like every problem that we faced, we thought, oh, we're like, if, from our perception back then, we were the first people to try and solve some of these problems. If we've got these problems, everyone else who's trying to do this has these same problems. So yeah, it just spiraled into a bit of a business idea and I think... Yeah, Just naturally, I'm like that. Uh, I'm quite entrepreneurial anyway, and I just yeah, I like sniffing out new opportunities, should I say. So, yeah, it just made sense to yeah, try and commercialize that sort of information and, and make a go of it. It was uh, my literally first business. Um, so yeah, we learned a lot. I think that was a really valuable experience to me personally. And you know, I think we everything from setting up a company in, in, in the UK to yeah, working with web developers and creating accounts at different outlets, so it was yeah, it was really informative. I think it actually led me on a path where I am today. I think. From there, it went to another business, then another one. And then it's now I'm back in crypto. So I've sort of got 360. Because Interestingly, I also used to run events at university. So what I do now, which I'm sure we'll get into in a minute, is we do blockchain ticketing for events. So I was running events back then for my friends at university and sort of wider wider people in the area and then also doing the blockchain stuff. And now I've gone completely 360. I'm back in the events and blockchain world 10 years later. So it's been a journey.
0: Yeah, you touched on it. I'm curious what what perspectives what lessons did you learn you can talk about something real practical or maybe a theoretical discussion but like what lessons did you learn the first go around right after college that you've taken into this business that you're doing now
1: do you know what i think at its core just like very simple business acumen i think it was like that was the first time i'd ever tried to build them something from nothing we had to work with different parties and i think it was yeah it was just eye-opening the amount of time and effort is required in a startup i think we were yeah it was just informative i had to set up trade accounts with lots of different hardware providers and then i had to come up with these cad drawings for the mining rigs and organize with the factory to produce them and then we had to register a company and deal with accountants and like all these things which like when you're young and naive you think oh you know having a business is great it must be quite easy but you start that down that road and it's like, wow, there's a hundred things you've got to do before you even get to the good stuff in a business. So I think, yeah, it was just all that knowledge of yeah, what, what's required. We obviously had to set the company up with the company's house, the, the UK government. And yeah, it's just all those little things which I think later in life, a few years later when I uh, progressed in my career, it all became really useful because although it was quite small and it was just two friends at university, I had to go through all those processes and I just learned a lot. And it was super valuable in just giving me that sort of... No one teaches you that stuff. You don't get taught that sort of stuff in school or university. What do you do when you want to start a company? Nobody really... I was never taught that, certainly. So it's all, it all fresh and it's a big learning curve. And I think, yeah, and I took that knowledge and carried it through to all my businesses. It's just been super, super useful. And I guess it was... Uh, yeah, I think maybe jumping down that path is what kept me on that path long term. The idea that I could have my own business and build something on nothing with my friends and have fun whilst earning money, I think... I've just followed that ethos my whole life since, yeah.
0: So tell me about what business you're in now. Is the name of it Seat Lab? That's correct. So we've got, tell uh, me, and then yeah, and tell me like how it's connected to blockchain.
1: Yeah, cool. So we've actually got two products. We've got Seat Lab and Seat Lab NFT. So more relevant for this conversation is Seat Lab NFT. It's a NFT ticketing and fan engagement marketplace. So yeah, a, a bit of a backstory, how we got into the ticketing. I think five or six years ago, Jack and I, the co-founder, we were running a digital marketing agency. and We were quite popular in the event sector. So we were working with lots of event organizers and concert tour promoters, effectively helping them sell tickets. We were, good at, we were internet savvy kids who could market on the internet. So I think we were quite good at selling tickets. And yeah, we got quite popular in that sector. And I think off the back of that, we were using all the major ticketing providers, all the big names that you've heard of. For one reason or another, they just, they, they weren't fit for purpose in terms of, they're either taking too much of the booking fees, charging too much, they weren't willing to customise it, there was no white label, It was very much a rigid ticketing offering back then, and I think we just saw a bit of a gap in the market for what our customers wanted, and we built that, so we built a white label SaaS product, it's very, it very much our first endeavour into enterprise SaaS software, Learned a lot about ticketing, we grew it to transact over 15 million a year, US dollars, we work with... Countless teams, clubs, venues, DJs, you name it, we sold tickets in all verticals. But yeah, with the boom of NFTs last year, it was, bearing in mind I've been a crypto fanatic for a long time, it was like, I've always wanted to do blockchain ticketing, but it was only Ethereum that was smart contract enabled, and gas fees made it, you couldn't, the gas fee was more than the ticket cost, it just wasn't feasible for an idea. Last year with the NFT boom, and obviously these new layer 1s and layer 2s popping up, jack and i were very much degenning into buying these expensive jpegs very early on and we just thought wow this tech is cool now but this could be applied to ticketing and it'd be so useful and that was 18 months ago yeah that that took us to seatlab nft which is as i said an nft ticketing and fan engagement marketplace primarily we're trying to solve a lot of the big issues in ticketing you've seen on the news recently we're trying to combat ticket touting scalping ticket fraud and we're trying to give the whole ticket buying experience, more value. If you think at the minute, generally you get a PDF in your inbox and that's, you get a QR code and that's all you get. There's very little excitement into buying a ticket these days. It's hard to buy them. It's crushed by bots on sales. You might have to go to secretary where you're gonna get ripped off. You might buy a fake ticket and you don't get anything with the ticket. It's just a, a static QR code on a PDF. You scan it once and that's it. The life cycle of that is over. I think what we're trying to do is give more to our whole ticket, give it more value, and obviously all our tickets are NFTs and you can attach digital collectibles to the tickets. You can attach different perks. The tickets themselves, are, we like to say they're programmable smart tickets. So because they're NFTs, we've got lots of parameters that we can bake into the contract. Things like a maximum resale price, maximum per wallet. We can have transfer and resale rules. You can attach things to the tickets. Yeah, we obviously attach digital collectibles to them. We've got a couple of unique things with our product. We, have, we can enable voting rights inside the NFT ticket. So if you hold a particular NFT, you can have voting rights for, let's say, an awards show or who's your favorite player of the year, or it could be anything. So, yeah, we're trying to do some cool stuff. Also implementing ultrasound technologies, the wallet as well. So, yeah, we're trying to, although we're we're very much Web3 centric, I think the product is a little bit Web 2.5 in a way because we are a mass market product. We're trying to address not just you and I, we're trying to sell, be the next ticketing platform for just average people. So we do try and hide a lot of the blockchain complexity, but we keep all the benefits in there and just try and make it easy to use for normal people. You, you, we do some cool things like instead of creating a wallet, you just download our app and you enter a username. And actually we create the wallet via, we're based on the near protocol. So we use the near wallet API to set a wallet up on your behalf. So yeah, we just try and extract all the complexity and just make it easy for people. But yeah, essentially that's, a, that's what we're trying to build up.
0: And did you start out doing ticketing for musicians or who did you start with? I think the very
1: first clients were for concert tours. So yeah, typical artists doing concerts around arenas and stadiums. That was our very first clients. But since then, yeah, we've worked with lots and lots of people from yeah sports teams, big and small, football across the world. We've done yeah soccer or tons of stuff from different venues different concert tours you name it we've, we've worked in that industry or vertical lots of sports lots of venues lots of theaters yeah you name it i think as i'm thinking about it now i think wow i've actually worked with so many people like ticketing already but yeah it's interesting i, I never thought i'd get into ticketing to be honest like, it's not if i'm honest it's not something that i have like a burning passion for it's just so exciting because we can use our sort of yeah the passion for building cool stuff and just like trying to innovate and like just messing around with new technology we can actually apply that to an industry which is huge everyone uses it so, like there is actually so many customers within ticketing. If you think about it, pretty much like most organizations will hold an event of some kind. There's so many people who sell tickets, it's, it's so vast. And I think that's what excites me about the whole trying to make it more web 3 is there's so much uncharted territory right now. If you think about sports, like digital collectibles and NFTs, absolutely perfect for sports. It's, there's just so much un- uncharted ground that I feel like. We were quite lucky. We were one of the first prominent NFT ticket providers. You're quite early to listen to this curve. So I think, yeah, we're established a little bit now. We've released the MVP six months ago. We're, you know, about to sign deals with different arenas and yeah, different world tours. So yeah, it's exciting. I think it's just, it keeps us motivated because we can build this cool stuff and deploy it in, in, into a already archaic industry at a time, some of it at least. So I think, yeah, it's just vast opportunity for us. And we can keep experimenting with our ideas as well, which any developer will tell you that's what keeps them motivated, you know?
0: yeah i wonder if the artist or the arenas are they coming in and saying okay we want to give our consumers access to these certain things or is it coming from the other direction is it coming from the audience and the audience saying yeah we want to come to your concert we want to come to your Soccer match, but we also want access to these things. How is that working? Is it just a dialogue between the two, or how does that, how do y'all go about meaning what they get access to along with their ticket to the place?
1: Yeah, it's, to be honest, it's very much driven, but driven by the seller side. Also, there's a demand from buyers now, so I think people are getting sued. We won't name names, but there's a lot of people in sticky waters right now. It's, people are getting a bit fed up with the current ticketing model where. Websites can't handle scale, you know, that's a problem for all of us, but there's a lot of downsides to current ticketing models, there's a lot of monopolies in place and archaic deals, and yeah, maybe potentially not providing the best tech solutions that could be provided in favor of maybe making maximizing profits. I think things like dynamic pricing, personally I don't like it, and I think there's other ways now we can maximize revenue without ripping people off. Um, but yeah, I think there is definitely a sort of demand from buyers now. I think people are get a bit more clued up. Because if you think most the most popular shows now is the on sale is such a bad experience for most people. And believe me, it's a very hard problem to solve. It's like, it's a billion dollar problem. It's very hard to solve. But I just think people, are, they do want something else now. I think they, there is we can use this tech to make on sales and popular things better. So I think, yeah, definitely there is a demand from the buyer side. But I think, if we're honest, a lot of it is driven by the seller side. So I think when we want to win a new event series or work with a new artist, we, they're the people we have to convince. Not so much the ticket buyers because the ticket buyers will naturally buy the ticket from wherever it's on sale. Obviously for them it's great because they're getting extra benefits compared to a, a different solution. But yeah, in terms of our sort of go to market, it's more we have to do the deals with the sports team or the venue or the artist Or It's more from the seller side.
0: I would assume from the buyer's perspective, There will probably be a moment, and you might have already reached this moment, but where people go to an event and get access to, let's say you go to a soccer match and get access to, I don't know, meeting a player on the team, and then they're talking to their buddies, and they're like, hey, we got into this soccer match, and this is what we got are y'all getting access to that in another city or whatever have you experienced anything like that where the buyers expect more because they were talking with some people and they got access or they got access to different things on a music platform and then they went to a sporting match and went the same thing can you talk about that
1: for sure yes we've had exactly that actually so Last year, uh, we partnered with a, a UK festival, they're award-winning, uh, it's absolutely amazing experience. It's called Lost Village. So we partnered with those guys and we created a... I've heard um, of that. Yeah, we called it the Lost Society. So it was the first time that NFT membership had been deployed in a, into a festival environment. Very cutting edge in terms of how we were utilizing an NFT. But yeah, it, it's essentially a, me- a membership card so people could download our app. If they had a ticket to the show, they could download the festival, they could download our app. They could set the wallet up and they could claim this lost society membership card. And what that got them access to was, so we had like a a really cool audio visual experience inside the festival. So if you can imagine there's a big arcade, so it's all like an 80s arcade theme. It's really cool and hidden behind one of the machines we had a massive room where we had a, a projection. We had lots of projectors and it was like an audio visual experience. It was like three minute long activation really trippy like it it taught you on this light journey it was absolutely insane but you had this lost society membership card we sent you clues as to to the location of where it was and to follow these clues and literally there's thousands of people walking around the festival trying to find this activation because we didn't tell anyone what it was it was just like we made it this really like it is a very creatively done we made it this very immersive journey they followed these clues and it was like, there's certain areas, I can't remember what the area is called now, but it's basically, it's called Lost Village. So they literally make like a village in the middle of a the field. So they've got, yeah, it's like, a, it's like an old petrol or gas station. So you had to, we we're sending clues people to go to the gas station, look for different clues. And as we were standing around, there's literally hundreds of people at a time following these clues to find out where the activation was. They had to go through this, the, the arcade machine, they had to find these two actors. So we had two actors there pretending to be conspiracy theorists. They had to find these conspiracy theorists and get a clue to which arcade machine would uh, grant them access to this activation. So it was really cool. And the first time, yeah, just holding this NFT, got them something exclusive access to something like really cool. If you can imagine at a festival, everyone's having a good time anyway, and they go through this audio visual experience where it's like insanely trippy. If you can imagine, it's like light rays popping towards, it it felt like you were going on a journey, but that's insane. But yeah, off the back of that anyway, so somebody, one of the participants from that went through that experience and actually turned out to be an event organizer himself. And we spoke to him a month later and he was like, that was absolutely incredible. I've never experienced anything like it. Like he loved the app, he loved what NFT could do. He loved the whole experience of it. Yeah, and since then he's been bringing all his events onto our platform. We've been trialing different cool NFT things with him. So yeah, off the back of him going through that experience, he was like, wow, like my event needs this type of thing as well. So yeah, we work with him quite heavily now. He does things like, we can run lotteries from within the wallet. So if you hold a certain NFT, you can enter into a lottery. And he had a recent show a couple of weeks ago and Before the show, they had a secret set, so they got the headliner from the show in a different venue, doing a secret set to a really small group. So if you had a ticket to the main show, you could enter into the lottery, and we picked winners at random to get an NFT ticket to this sort of pre-show experience. So yeah, yeah, off off the back of these experiences, I think people who go through them or participate in these experiences definitely want to see more of it. And it's just... Yeah, if that, yeah, it's just fortunately a few event organizers went through it and they just loved it. So, yeah, it's and It's just word of mouth from there. I think we released a case study on that and other people are seeing it and want to get involved. So, yeah, it's, to be honest, since we've done that, it's been a never-ending... There's been a continuous flow of people being like, look, I've seen you've done this thing or I've seen you can do this. We want to try and do something like that. So, yeah, it's been good.
0: What's the biggest challenge moving forward? And maybe it's only maybe it's the time constraint is through 2023 but what's the biggest challenge either in your business or in nfts as a whole or blockchain as a whole what's the biggest challenge or opportunity oh, some people in my life would say opportunity
1: yeah <laughs> i would say there's so many challenges i think it's all an opportunity it's like the world rest right now i think there's so much potential everywhere but i do think there's a lot of challenges as well i think Every time we have a crypto crash, the general populace who aren't really into the tech, they just see the bad news about crypto and they assume we're, it's all a scam. And it puts us back years. With NFTs in particular, we saw an NFT boom. Some people loved it, made a lot of money. Most people hated it. I think we're, our name's like CLAB NFT. I think just the word NFT, it has a lot of stigma around it still. So there's a challenge in that and I think it's lack of education, if anything. A lot of people still don't get the tech. So yeah, certainly challenges in terms of adoption you know, from lack of educational knowledge. But yeah, I think as an industry, there's so many cool projects still coming. I think as a founder, there's obviously clear challenges with economic climate right now. I think it's hard to raise more capital at the minute if you're a new product anyway. So I think, yeah, there's always challenges for every founder. But yeah, I think in crypto, sadly, whatever you build on using blockchain technology is tied to how well the crypto markets are doing, I, I find. So if, you got, if you're having a, if crypto's on a bad time, suddenly all those blockchain companies are just forgotten about a little bit by the general population. But yeah, I think definitely challenges. But yeah, as I say, I, even now, 10 years from where I started, I still feel like this is the new frontier. And you know? I still feel like, yeah, so many cool things being built still. And you know, I think we're only just scratching the surface. Like co- countries and governments haven't even regulated things yet properly. You know, So if you imagine, it's hardly it's not really an established industry yet, but it's been, how many years, at least five or six, seven years since Ethereum people start building on Ethereum dApps and whatnot. But yeah, I think it's still very early. I think if you're I think we're quite young, we're obviously digitally native people. I think if you're from that sort of world where you're tech savvy, a bit entrepreneurial, have a good idea, I think there's so there's a call in view in blockchain. I think there's definitely Yeah, it, it can change a lot of industries. I think a lot of products still haven't been even conceived yet. So I think yeah, If you're young and that way inclined, I think it's still a great opportunity for, to get involved and build your own thing and actually have an impact on old industries that maybe haven't innovated for a while. I feel like ticketing, it does have, there's a, a lot of good tech in ticketing, to be honest. It does get innovated regularly, but yeah, we've been quite fortunate to yeah try and implement new tech in it to an old industry. And I think obviously we're in entertainment, but there's so many industries where you could apply the latest blockchain tech or AI tech or... Whatever tech you're into, apply it to an old industry and you've got so much opportunity.
0: Thanks for coming on, Ryan. I really do appreciate it. We're buttoned up against time. I'd love to talk to you again. This conversation was great. If you'd quickly give the audience, if they hear it and they would like to connect with you, how can they do that?
1: Yeah, so I think from the project perspective, seatlabnft.com, we're active on the Telegram, Twitter. Yeah, Discord, of course. Me personally, I'm rsk1 on Twitter. Yeah, very happy to speak to anyone who's involved in the space or... Yeah, wants to learn more. So, yeah, I'm around.
0: Thanks for coming on, Ryan. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you very much for having me Matthew. Take care.